Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the Word? Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Um, let me read verse 5. Matthew chapter 10 verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not. Somebody say enter ye not. So Jesus commanded which of the groups? Is it the three? Is it the twelve? Is it the one? Is it the seventy-two? Which of the groups? Twelve. The twelve. I hope you know in leadership, even in life, you have people that represent to you the five thousand, those that represent to you the seventy-two, those that represent to you the twelve, those that represent to you the three, those that represent to you the what? The one. There is the one out of the three. And if you notice, as you keep going down, the expectations are different for each of the categories. Jesus didn't have expectations from the 5,000. He never did. He ne- instead, he gave them bread. Yeah, Instead, he gave them bread. So he fed the 5,000. The 72, he sent them. The 12, he drew them to himself and he taught them. Then, the 3... He would take them high up into the mountain. Then the one, he would share deep secrets with that one. If you, if you, if you keep moving down, you know, you narrow down the relationships of Jesus, you see that the expectation from the one to the three to the um, twelve to the seventy-two and the five is different. The expectations are different. To the twelve, to the to the um, five thousand, he never gave expectations. To the twelve, the expectation was not as much as that which he gave the three. To the three, he would say something like, "While he's praying on the mountain, Jesus would tell them, can 'Can't you watch with me for at least one hour?'" He never said that to the twelve. Never did. But to the three, he would say, "Can't you watch with me?" He's he's drawing something from them. He has an expectation from them. So in your life you would always have a three. In your life you would always have a seventy-two. It's not for you to alienate people, but it's for you to compartmentalize, to know where which falls into where. So that you don't have expectations differently from um, different people whilst you have not put them into categories in your life. Amen. You don't share your deep secrets with just anybody. Is that correct? You share deep secrets with with the one, with the three. With people who you know friendship is a choice. Praise God. I'm not teaching about friendship this evening. But here what I'm trying to show you is what Jesus said to the disciples. Um, the twelve. He said, go not into the way of what the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not. Somebody say, enter ye not. So he commanded the twelve not to go into um, the way of the Gentiles. 
So now let's look at Matthew chapter 15, five chapters after that. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Matthew 15, verse 21. I read, it says, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of what? Tyre and Sidon. Now, this is the way of the Gentiles. This is the place where Jesus said to his disciples, don't go. And now, Jesus is there. The bros who gave the instruction has broken his own instruction. Let's move to the next verse. And behold, the woman of Canaan. Anybody who is from Canaan, is the person a Jew or a Gentile? Yeah, the person is a Gentile. So, um, here the Bible says that a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. Why did Jesus answer her not a word? Putting chapter 10 together now with this, why did he answer her not a word? Because she's a Gentile. So then he goes on to say, and his, okay, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. Why will the disciples tell Jesus to send the woman away? Because they already knew previously that he had given an instruction that their message is not to the Gentiles. In fact, he said, go not to the way. Don't go there to the way of the Gentiles. Enter ye not. So now the leader himself has broken his own rule. If you're a leader here, have you ever found yourself in a position where you tell your members not to be in? Okay, if that was a joke, you didn't catch it. (laughs) Don't worry. Praise God. But you see, there are sometimes we find ourselves in position where we tell other people not to be in. There are some things that you condemn. You will stumble into those things too. Sometimes. You see, that's why when you're correcting people, you, you, you don't correct people with an attitude of judgment. Or you don't correct people with an attitude of condemnation. No, you don't do that. The difference between correction and condemnation is love. The difference between correction and condemnation is judgment. Someone who condemns, you may be saying the same thing. But you see, condemnation has already passed the judgment on the person. Without an expectation of change. That's condemnation. But correction is, you see the person can be better. And therefore you begin to correct the person. That's different. That's completely different. So correction is different from what? Condemnation. Hallelujah. So... But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. Next verse. But he answered and said, I was not sent, except what? To the lordship of the house of Israel. 
So Jesus is now repeating what he told the disciples before. And he, the same instruction he gave it to um, his disciples when he sent them. He said, do not go into the way of the Gentiles. When, enter ye not. Don't even find yourself there. Because the core of my message is for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. For the Jews, not for the Gentiles. No wonder Paul said, um, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God, what? Unto salvation, to everyone who what? Believes to what? The Jews first. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 1 verse what? Romans chapter 1 verse what? 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to what? Salvation for everyone who what? Believes. For the Jews first and also for the Greek. Praise the Lord. So let's move back to Matthew 15. The next verse is, But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Do we all understand it up, up until this point? Okay, next verse. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, My goodness. The Bible says that she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. You see, there's something that I want to draw from this woman quickly before I go on in, in, um, in this teaching. For many people, if you were the woman, you feel offended. Some of you. I mean, you're coming to meet Jesus, or you're coming to meet someone who has something that you know the person can freely give to you. And you're asking the person to give. And the person is saying to you that... Um, even though I don't, I'm not using it now. I'm not going to give you. Many of us are going to feel offended. Many of us are going to feel offended. And there are many people who would have been blessed in church um, manifestly if they never stayed offended in church. Offenses will shut you out from experiencing Get my word, experience it. Because you're already blessed, yeah? Yeah. But offenses can shut you out from experiencing a blessing. Offenses. Jesus said, blessed is he who is not offended in me. You know. But the woman wasn't offended. What did she do instead? She worshipped. <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. That's incredible. Instead of being offended, she worshipped. Some would say, I don't like the way pastor said this to me, blah, 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 blah. And then he affects everything about your worship that day. You can't even, you can't even lift up your hands and worship properly because of how pastor said something to you. Maybe pastor called you aside and corrected you. Or maybe your leader called you aside and corrected you. It affects your worship for the rest of the day. Amen. Amen. You see, but the woman was not offended. Can you help me preach to two people? Tell them the woman was not offended. No. Tell some. The woman was not what? Offended. What did the woman do? She worshipped. Okay, tell one more person. It didn't spoil her mood. 
your voice was louder in that one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there are some of us. Our moods just we have. We are we are masters with interswitch. You can you can interswitch your mood from here to here sharply. But you are in control. Hallelujah. You are in control. Praise God. You are in control. You are in control. So the woman worshipped instead. Then she came and worshipped him. Lord help me. This is, but, but he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. He called her a dog. Okay, if you were not offended in the first one, now you'll be offended. I'm pretty sure about that. For some of us, I will be offended. I don't know about righteous you. Because, let me give you our typical response. Is it because I want something from you, you're calling me a dog? So do I have to lick your feet just because I am asking you for now condition make revenge, Ben. <laughs> you know what? This thing I'm asking you, you and the thing to there with you. <laughs> but he answered and said, It is not good. No, no, go back. But he answered and said, It's not good to take the children's bread. Now who who are the children? The Jews. Jews. It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Goodness. Even if he said dogs, it was fine. <laughs> little. <laughs> little. See, may you not miss the place of your blessing by an offense. I hear what I'm saying. That's a good prayer to pray. May you be in control of your temperament just at the verge of your blessing. The moment where you're about to trip or you're about to snap and just at the time God is ready to pour a blessing on you to manifest strongly in your life and then you became offended and you lost it. May that not be our portion. In the name of Jesus Christ. Anger is a bad thing. You know, anger is a bad thing. People who don't know how to control. You see, anger is not wrong in itself. Especially when it is used lawfully. Yeah? That's why the Bible says, be angry, but what? Sin not. So, be angry and sin not. What does that tell you? Control. Because if you're angry and you sin, that's the natural order of anger. Because anger will cause you to do things you don't want to do. It will cause you to do things that you don't mean to do. It will cause you to say things that you can't take back. Yeah. So it says, be angry but sin not. So even while you are angry, you are still in control. That's maturity. Praise the Lord. The, The first manifestation of sin in man is anger. Yes, Cain. Cain was angry. So anger is a root. <laughs> it's a deep root problem in the human race. 
It's just like pride is the father of many sins. So is anger. The Bible says where there is strife, there is all manner of evil work. So anger, anger is not something that is good. It's, it's not something you should take lightly if you notice there is anger. It's something I fought while I was growing up. Because I was, I was short-fused. <laughs> I was, oh yeah, I was short-fused. And I used to, like my brother said on Sunday, I rightfully used to bully those who were older than me, you know, and those who were younger than me. I put all of them together and bullied them. Because I knew, in fact, I knew the anointing in me made me, I could do, <laughs> I knew I could do anything. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. <laughs> That's where I channeled that under that grace. I channeled that anointing to slaps and to punches. Today I punched one boy's face. I didn't know how bad it was until the father brought the boy back to the house. I, I, at first I didn't believe I was the one who did it to the boy. <laughs> but you know it takes time for something to swell, have you? So when I punched that first... It didn't look like anything happened, but when the boy came back, I saw, you know, you know, you know, the map of Africa has a horn. It was like there was a horn. <laughs> Praise God. Anger is not something to boast about. It's not. It's not. I'm happy the way I am now. Praise God. Are you not happy for me? <laughs> a pastor should not be quick to anger. Pastors, you hear me? A pastor should not be quick to anger. A leader should not be quick. In fact, the more you mature in Christ, the more you mature in God, your temperament, you become more Christ-like in your temperament, in your disposition. The way you used to outburst, the way you used to react before, that changes. Hallelujah. It changes. Amen. So back to what we were saying. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. The next verse. And she said, Yes, Lord, even... <laughs> she's having a conversation when she's meant to be angry. It's interesting, man. It's an interesting woman. She's having a conversation when she's meant to be angry. So she's saying, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs, yet, that yet is... It's like a conversation, right? It feels like a conversation. Yeah. Like, it's not meat for me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs, little dogs. And she was, yes, Lord. But you know, even, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Wow. I want to get something from this woman's attitude. What is one thing you can pick out? Perseverance, right? Perseverance. Pick out humility. Humility. You can pick out humility. The woman was humble. And, and trust me, humility is not about the disposition. Humility is the heart. It's not about how you dress. It's the heart. Humility is the heart. Humility is not about how much you don't speak or how much you speak. There are people who are very quiet but very proud. 
There are people who talk a lot, but they are very humble. There are people who are very loud, but very humble. There are people who can seem to be annoying, but they are very humble. Mm-hmm. We have a classical case here, right? Yeah, by the way, he traveled and he extends his regards to everybody. He's not here right now, praise God. Amen. So you can draw the lesson of humility from the woman. The woman was humble. There are some people, if you, if you rebuke them, humility will not make you take a rebuke. In fact, if you're fighting correction, just know that you are not a humble person. You still have work to do. If you fight correction, if you fight not being told what to do. Human beings don't like to be told what to do naturally. So it's something you have to You just have to. Human beings don't like you. While we were walking in, we saw a woman screaming at an, um, her staff, another lady. You know? And then I met the other... I met another staff, and he just passed me, and he said, Pastor, nobody likes control, (laughs) but that's the truth. But you see, you have to work to the point where you allow the Holy Spirit to produce that fruit in you, you know. It's one one of the key attributes or virtues of my father. A very humble person, and you see, you're not the one who's going to say you are humble, (laughs) it's others who will say you're humble. Mm. You're not the one, so it's one attribute of my father that I have learned so much to be humble. With all he knows, he's a very humble person. There's a bunch of wisdom, but he's a very humble person. He has achieved so much in the kingdom, he's a very humble person. He's not. You see, never get to the point where your your shoulder has joined with your neck and you are so proud. You, see, you know, it's a spirit. You are, you are, pride is when you esteem yourself higher than you ought to. There is a right way you ought to see yourself. But when it is overtly, you get what I'm saying? When it is more than you ought to. Especially when you are comparing yourself in your heart with somebody. That's pride. When you say you are better than somebody, this person has a long way to go to come up to become like me. Oh, that's pride. That's pride. You know? Because if you honor the fact that the same Spirit of God that is in you is in the same person. In fact, Jesus, God did not look at you and because he saw you were fair, he gave you a fair Holy Spirit. <laughs> he didn't look at you and, and say, because you have pointed nose, then your own Holy Spirit should be in more measure. Come on. It's the same. If you, if you honor the God in your neighbor, there will be no reason to be proud. No reason to what? Be proud. So draw the lesson of humility from this woman. Draw the lesson of humility for this woman, from this woman. You know, I have made up my mind that um, anybody can bless me. Anybody can bless me. You see, you might not even be saying what is consistent to scriptures, but I'm going to pick something from you. 
Do you understand it? So, because the Bible says knowledge puffs up, you can get to the point where, because of how much you know, when people don't make sense, you discard, in fact, the way your heart flushes them. It's unbelievable. That's pride. Don't, don't let it creep into your heart. I get to what I'm saying. Yeah. There are some of you who know so much here. You're sitting down. And nobody knows what you know. But you know you know a lot. I have friends who come to church. And they are as sound and even more sound than I am. I'm telling you. So that's, that's why you see you must not be proud. You must, you must never get there. So draw a lesson from this woman. And always stay in the place of humility. In leadership. In followership. In your relationship with people. In your disposition. You see, I fear people who treat the common man. Permit me to use the word the common man. I, I fear people who treat the common man in a very disdained manner. Or in a very... Um, give me a word, please. Hmm? Demeaning way. Thank you. Maybe you see your gate man. I greet my gate man. How are you, sir? Good afternoon, sir. I greet him that way. Not, hey, come. Come and open the gate. That's bad. Because she's your house help in your house does not mean you should talk to her in a demeaning way. You treat her with respect. Even though she's your house help. If you want to say something to her, you say, please. Please, can you kind or kindly help me? Please. It's not about the person. It's about you. Praise God. And trust me, you're going to command more followership when you're humble as a leader. In fact, um, you command more followership when you have the power to do certain things, but you don't use your power unlawfully. That's a good leader. Hallelujah. So, let's draw the lesson of humility from this woman. So, instead of the woman getting offended, she humbled herself, and then she began to worship, and she had a conversation. You know, some of you are even excited when other people make mistakes. <laughs> some people are happy when other people fall, when other people make mistakes. The Bible says, you who is strong, lift up the one who is falling in the spirit of meekness. <laughs> Praise God. Don't be excited at the demise of somebody else. When they told David that Saul was dead, do you know what he said? He said, tell it not in God. Don't tell it. Don't boast about the fact that my enemy is dead. Because the person who came to tell David knew that Saul was enemy to David. And he brought a news to David, feeling that David was going to be happy about it. But David understood spiritual leadership. When he had the opportunity to kill Saul, he didn't kill Saul. He rather he took a knife and then he cut a part of his cloth so that he would show Saul that I had the opportunity to kill you, but I chose not to kill you. 
That's a humble leader. This is my heart towards you. I'm not happy when you make a mistake. Praise God. So humility is important, you know. And this, if there is anybody here who needs this word, more than anyone is me here. Me. Moi. Me, then you. Because it will be my delight to be the most humble person here. Somebody say amen for me. Amen. Yeah. Let's move to the next. Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Though the woman was not a Jew, she got the blessing, right? So even though she was not um, a part of the lost sheep of the house of Israel, she still got what? Her blessing. Praise God. Let me show you something in Luke chapter 13 verse 10. Luke chapter 13 verse 10. By the way, the title of this message is Superior Realities. Superior Realities. Superior Realities. Somebody say Superior Realities. Luke chapter 13 verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Next verse. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. How many years? 18 years. 18 years is not 18 months, friends. 18 years is not 18 days. 18 years is... The time of being an adult where you ought to get out of your father's house. 18 years. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from infirmity. See, uh, go back. Look at what happened here. The Bible says when Jesus saw her, he did what? Talk to me. Answer me. He what? Called her to him. What's the difference between this woman and the other woman? The other was chasing Jesus. This one, Jesus was chasing her. Yeah? That's the difference. Why? (laughs) I'm trying to remember that joke. Oh yeah, um, one preacher was preaching and then he said, you know, um, um, the Bible says in the book of Jonah that Jonah swallowed the fish and after three days he vomited the fish. Then one of the members in church said, Pastor, it's not Jonah who swallowed the fish. It's the fish that swallowed Jonah. Pastor said, Mmm. <laughs> I'm going to take you back again. In the book of Jonah, the Bible says the fish swallowed Jonah. Or Jonah swallowed anyways, there was a swallowing. (laughs) Anyways, there was a swallowing. (laughs) So here in this case, anyways, there was a chasing. The other woman chased Jesus, but Jesus in this case Chase the woman. So why did Jesus chase the woman? Let's keep reading. Woman, you are 
from your infancy. Next verse, verse 13. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was what? Made straight. And what? Glorified God. You see, she gave testimony when she was healed. It's important to share your testimony. It's important to share your testimony. The Bible says that um, ten lepers were cleansed. Only one came back to share a testimony with Jesus. And Jesus said, where are the remaining nine? Then he spoke a word to the one who came back. He said, go, for you are whole now. That's a different command. The first command is you are cleansed. Second command to the one who came back, you have been made whole. So it means that there is the totality of the blessing of wholeness that one got and the other nine didn't get. I came to God with um, um, a desire to heal me of something. And then God healed me of that. But it's different when you come to God for him to heal you of something. And he doesn't just heal you. He changes your finances. He gives you a job. He gives you a press down, shaking together miracle. Hallelujah. That's wholeness. It says you've been made whole. So it's important to share your testimony. When God does something to you, don't keep it to yourself. Share it. Praise God. Share your testimony. The Bible says, and they overcame um, him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Although that word there, the word of their testimony, is talking about the spoken word. Praise God. But however, it's important to share your testimony. So, she was made straight and glorified God. Verse 14. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. <clears throat> the Lord then answered him and said, hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it. Verse 16. So ought not this woman. Somebody say so ought not. So say it loud. Say so ought not. So this woman. Being what? A daughter of what? Abraham. Being a daughter of Abraham. Ought not. Isn't it supposed to be. This woman who is what? A Jew right? So now you see why Jesus was chasing her. Because she's a daughter of Abraham. So this is whom Satan has what? Bound. Think of it for 18 years. My goodness. Be loose from this bond on the Sabbath. You see, the Bible here says whom Satan has bound. It suggests to you that sickness... Most times, it's not just a bodily defect. It's an affliction of, of the devil. The spirit of infirmity, yes. It's a satanic affliction. And guess what? Jesus has paid for it, right? Hallelujah. So, so ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath. Verse 17, and, then, and when he said things, 
all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. You see, what I want you to note here is the fact that you could see the speed with which Jesus delivered this particular woman. You could see, in fact, the woman didn't call on Jesus. He went after the woman. And then he said to the woman, be made straight. And then the woman was made straight. 18 years problem gone. God is amazing. God is amazing. 18 18 years of satanic affliction gone. You know, many people feel that the longer the problem is, the more permanent it is. That's a lie of the devil. Is anybody here with a 10-year condition? Anybody here? If you're here with a 10-year condition, God is going to heal you today. 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 If there's anyone here who has had a condition for a long time, I'm not going to specify how long or how many years. But if you have had something for a long time that you are believing God to change, that change has started now. In the name of Jesus Christ. We're placing a demand on what Jesus has done on the cross. If, If we are saved, that same salvation that belongs to us freely also says that our healing has also been paid for. It's been paid for. Praise the Lord. Um, how does this concern you since you're not a child of Abraham? Because the Bible says, ought not this woman being the daughter of Abraham be loosed from her infirmity? Let's take that caption. Ought not this woman being the daughter of Abraham be loosed? Ought not this woman being the daughter of Abraham be loosed? What does that mean? Ought not this woman being the daughter of Abraham be loosed. What does that mean? Huh? Is her right? Is her right? Yeah. It means it is her rightful place to enjoy the healing. Why? Because she's a daughter of Abraham. So, if there is sickness on the woman, it's illegal because what? She's a daughter of Abraham. No wonder Jesus said, from the beginning it was not so. There are some things that are on us illegally. There are some things that are on you not lawfully. You must begin to analyze these things and then eject them because ought not. Are you getting what I'm saying? Ought not. Am I not supposed to? Do you remember the message I preached when I titled it Law Enforcement? Enforcing the law. Can you guys remember? Or did I give it a title? I'm not sure I gave it a title, but it was the title of my iPad. Amen. (laughs) I said I intended to teach you Enforcing the Law. I preached it, but maybe I didn't title it. But I called it Enforcing the Law. Enforcing the law because there will be some agaba gives. But you have to enforce the law. So you are going to say, ought not. Because it is lawful. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's lawful. So how does it concern you now who is not a child of Abraham? Galatians chapter 3. 
Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. Let's read it together. One go. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having been made a curse for us. For it is written. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. The blessings of who? Might come upon who? Now, the blessings of Abraham will come upon even the Syrophoenician woman. Even the woman who was chasing Jesus, who rightfully, the blessing was not hers. But right now, in Christ Jesus, the Bible says that the blessing of Abraham will come upon her. So, as an undo man, I belong to the blessings of Abraham that is given to me or apportioned to me through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So as an evil man, you can enjoy the covenant God made with Christ. As a bini man, where are you from? Say where you're from. See people who are not proud of where they come from. <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody say that the blessing of Abraham might come upon me. So, as the woman who was a Jew said, ought not. What are you going to say? Is it not supposed to be? Is it not meant to be? Because what? The blessing of Abraham has come upon upon me. What is the blessing of Abraham? The promised Holy Spirit is a seal of redemption. And redemption speaks of the fact that Abraham, talking about Abraham now, it speaks of the fact that Abraham had imputed righteousness. Uh, So the blessing of Abraham is imputed righteousness. Because if you're righteous, you qualify for the blessing. And because we have been made righteous, we also qualify for the blessing. And um, our redemption has been sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible says that I have sealed you with what? The Holy Spirit of promise. Praise God. So you would say ought not, just like that woman also said ought not. Hallelujah. Let's go to, um, still on this verse, verse 26. For you are all sons of God. Let's read it again. One to go. I was thinking somebody smart will say, For I am. Who who said, For I am here? You did? Faith did. Your faith is working today. It's not just name. Okay, so let's let's rephrase. Let's say, For I am. Yeah, let's go. One to go. For I am a son of God through faith. Jesus. Ladies, don't feel embarrassed because you hear son. It's not don't be it's not gender sensitive now. Amen. Everybody say I'm a son. Hallelujah. For you are all what sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Next verse. For as many of you 
as were baptized into Christ have what? Have put on Christ. For as many of you as were baptized. Who did the baptizing into Christ? The Holy Spirit. I'm clapping for all of you. What what baptism does the pastor do? The baptism. Yeah. What what baptism does Jesus do? Yeah. The baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. There's one who is coming after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to lose his legs. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. But the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ in the new birth experience. So you have come into Christ by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay, so as many of you as were baptized into Christ have what? Put on Christ. Somebody say, I have put on Christ. Talk to me, somebody. Say it again. I have what? Put on Christ. Ask your neighbor, what are you wearing? What are you wearing? I'm wearing Christ. I'm wearing the garment of Christ. Hallelujah. I'm wearing the robe of righteousness. For as many as were baptized into Christ have what? Put on Christ. If I've put on, that's what I know I put on. I didn't put on sickness, yeah? So sickness is not, it should not be attached to me. Um, I ain't got no business with sickness. Praise God. Let's memorize this as our memories for today. Is that Philippi 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Say it again. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Galatians what? 3.27 For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Say it without looking at the multimedia screen. Hallelujah. How many people here put on Christ? Praise God. Next verse, next verse, next verse. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Are you now seeing that in Christ there is no more? Um, Jesus said to the twelve, don't go to the way of the Gentiles. And then he found himself in Tyre and Sidon and he met the Syrophoenician woman. There's nothing like that now anymore. So for in Christ Jesus, there is neither what? Jew nor Greek. There is neither Yoruba nor Igbo. There is neither Hausa nor Fulani nor Urobo or Asaba. There is none of this in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Now it also says there is neither male nor female. The Holy Spirit in you is not female. The Holy Spirit in me is not male. As the name implied, spirit. <laughs> you got that. I saw you, Omar. You, you said that together with me. Spirit, as the name implies, spirit. The Bible says, for God is spirit, and they that worship must worship in spirit and in truth. For such do the Father seek. John chapter 4, verse 24. Hallelujah. 
So you are all one in Christ Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, I am one with you. In Christ Jesus. Who is your brother? Who is your brother? He said Jesus. <laughs> Who is your brother? Talk to me somebody. Who is your brother? The one who is in Christ is your brother. Why do you think Paul always would say brethren? Brethren is family. There are a lot of people in church who are who are more conscious of their natural family than their spiritual family. Remember I said superior realities, right? That's our message. A superior reality is that a Christian is more related to you than your blood brother. I'm sorry. (laughs) A superior reality means that a believer is more related to you than your blood sibling. See, when you are in heaven, when we all get to heaven, there will be nothing about your family that will feel too special. Because just as you feel you are four in your family, when you get to heaven, seeing everybody there, you are equally related with those people. Whether you say amen or not, that's what it is. But thank you for the amen. I like the amen. So a superior reality is that you are more related to a believer than your blood relation. Are you getting what I'm saying? I understood it a long time ago. Hallelujah. So, last verse. And if you are Christ, then you are what? Abraham's seed. And heirs according to what? The promise. If I am Christ. How many of you are Christ here? I am what? Somebody say, I am Christ. And because I am Christ, I am Abraham's seed. Say it again. I am Christ. Because I am Christ. I am Abraham's seed. Hallelujah. Um, stay here on this verse. Our memory verse, Galatians 3.27. There are many of you who were <laughs> For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, So, everything we have is in Christ, right? So, because we are in Christ, what belongs to Abraham also belongs to us. So, therefore, you are going to say ought not, right? Yeah. Why do you qualify to say ought not? Sorry? Because you are Abraham's seed in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. If as a matter of fact, you are in Christ, 
Are you getting what I'm saying? You are in Christ. Okay? Because even Abraham now is in Christ. Mm-hmm. So we are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Alright, so therefore we can say, ought not. Ought not. You know, there is um, the age of... See, the church is not, is not the Jews. The church is not the Jews. The church is the new creation. The church is a new design. The church is a masterpiece. There is nothing God can do that is better than the church. Hallelujah. See, Obadiah 117. Let me show you something. Obadiah 117. Obadiah 117. Let's read it. Let's go. One to go. But up Mount Zion, there shall be what? Deliverance. Somebody shall deliverance. And there shall be what? Holiness. The house of Jacob shall what? Possess. Somebody say is possessed passive or active. The children of Jacob shall do what? Possess their possession. What they are possessing is it somebody else's? So, oh really? So you can possess what is yours still. I hope that brings a bell to you. So does it bring you back to ought not? Ought not. So therefore I possess what is mine. Upon Mount Zion there shall be what? Deliverance. There shall be what? Holiness. And the children of Jacob shall what? Possess their possession. Somebody said there was deliverance. Now, Mount Zion, for your information, is the church. Upon Mount Zion is the church. The comparison is Mount Zion and Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is where the law was given. Yeah? Then Mount Zion is the church. So, Mount Sinai, when my father went to Israel, they said to him, Bishop, we're climbing Mount Sinai today. My dad said, God didn't send me that walk. Those people who went to Mount Sinai, when they came back, they almost fainted. <laughs> Somebody say walks. <laughs> they almost died. <laughs> hey, I'm already on Mount Zion and you want me to climb Mount Sinai. Are you kidding? <laughs> For we have come unto Zion, the city of the living God, to an innumerable company of angels, to the holy Jerusalem, to the spirits of just men made perfect. We have come onto Mount Zion. So that's where we are. We stay there. I'm going to stay there. Feel the Holy Ghost. <laughs> the house of Jacob shall what? Possess their possessions. Hallelujah. Next. Okay, no, no, that's it, that's it, that's fine. But let me show you something. Did you see deliverance there? Upon Mount Zion there shall be what? Deliverance. Deliverance. Upon Mount Zion there shall be what? Deliverance and holiness. And the children of Jacob shall what? Possess their possession. So let me show you something. Proverbs 11 verse 9. Proverbs 11 verse 9. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his labor. But through knowledge... Through knowledge, I what? Yeah, the Bible says, through knowledge, you access deliverance. Now, I'm, I'm talking about superior reality because 
Many of you are going to experience things that are not consistent to Christ. So, you are going to say, ought not. No, I've compared now. This is not uh, attainable. Amen. This is not... uh, this is not acceptable. I've compared. This thing is not working. This is not what the word says. And something has to be lying. Something has to give for the other. Mm. Faith does not deny the physical reality. But faith superimposes a superior reality on the physical reality. So when you say up not, you are saying to yourself that in spite of this, there is a superior reality. There's a superior law. Just like the law of gravity says that anything that goes up must what? Come down. When the law of aerodynamics came into the picture, it defied the law of gravity. Now, does that mean that the law of gravity is not in operation? It's still in operation. But there is a higher law that is at work in me. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor there's a higher law in you. Hallelujah. So the Bible says, but through what? Knowledge, the righteous will be what? Delivered. So let's put one, two together. Upon Mount Zion there shall be what? Deliverance and holiness and the children of Jacob shall possess their possession. So how do I possess my possession? Knowledge. You shall know. John chapter 8 verse 32. You shall what? Know the truth. And the truth you know shall set you free. I am delivered by knowledge. Are you still here? So what's the difference between an unbeliever and an ignorant Christian? Identity. And knowledge. I already said ignorant believer. Hey. What's the difference between an unbeliever and an ignorant believer? Is identity. The ignorant ignorant believer has identity of Christ, but does not know what he's supposed to know. That's why the believer is told to know that the trial of your faith will produce patience. Knowing, you would always say no. That the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened, that you may know. You already believe, but after believing, you come to knowledge. That's why many of us possess our passion. Because we don't know. Some of you are where you are because you don't know. So, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And when you know, you're going to speak. Hallelujah. When you know, you're going to speak. You're going to speak. I want you this evening to begin to compare and then begin to superimpose. Okay, superimpose one reality over another. Can you do that in the next two minutes? I didn't get a response. Can you do that in the next two minutes? Okay, pick one thing that you know ought not to be. Hmm? It ought not to be. As a child of God, as a believer, it ought not to be. But because you have come to know, superimpose it. Let me give you the time to do so. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brock.
<laughs> In Jesus' name we pray. Look at me, everybody. You guys don't understand. You guys don't you guys don't know how to pray these kind of prayers. These kind of prayers you don't you, you declare. Are you getting me? To superimpose is your declaration over what ought not to be. Are you getting it? When when the Bible says that the Holy Spirit fell upon the apostles, upon does not mean that the Holy Spirit was on top of their head. That's that's not what upon means. Upon means that they spoke. The Holy Spirit fell upon them and they began to speak in other tongues. So you can't you can't you see there's there's a way you, you pray. You you I don't have the time. I'm, I'm going to probably continue on Sunday on superior realities. Yeah, I'll continue on Sunday so that you understand that the fact that you are righteous does not mean you will not be attacked. Many of you need to get your jobs actively, not passively. Upon Mount Zion there shall be what? Deliverance and holiness. And what? The house of Jacob will possess. It's not something you wait for. Some of you need to, some of you, the reason why you've not gotten your jobs or the miracle money or the miracle whatever is because you are not active about it. If, if Jesus was tempted, who are you? The, Jesus said the, 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 that, that the tempter, he came to me and no, he says he comments and he found nothing in me. He comments. It's not a he came. He comments. Was always coming. He was about to make the most critical decision when he was about to die. And then he began to have conversations with God. Lord, if it's possible, let this thing pass. But nevertheless, your will. And the Bible says, angels came to strengthen him. It was not a joke. Somebody who was praying and his sweat was like blood. There are some things that you do actively. The Bible says we're not ignorant of what? The devices of the devil. You know what many of you have come to? You think, oh, because you are in Christ, there will be no crisis. You are lying. You think because you wore white and came for white parties, Satan won't throw mud at you. Are you joking? He, see, he will fight your finances. He will fight your relationships. He will fight your family. He will fight your money. He will fight your body. But it's not something you keep quiet about. You actively take it. Because the Bible says, Upon Mount Zion there shall be what? Deliverance. And there shall be what? Holiness. And the truth. So you speak from the place of authority. Don't say I'm in Christ and there you keep quiet. You don't know how to pray. You are talking in the midst of opposite situations. You are contradicting what you are seeing with your words. Your word is speaking on your expectations. You are focused on your expectations. Hallelujah. So it's something you speak, you say. Hallelujah. So let me give you two minutes to begin to talk. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that's how to pray. Talk. Talk. Address the issues. This concludes this message. 
Thank you for listening, and for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj. 